Welcome to Freightonomics, where we combine the freight market intelligence with that macroeconomic knowledge. I'm Zach Strickland, head of market intelligence, Anthony Smith, chief economist. Uh, you know, we've had, you know, I don't want to say it was a, a busy week. We had Halloween this week. Mm. And it's never really like, I feel like the end of October for transportation isn't necessarily like, it's it's more trick than treat most years <laughs> to make a Halloween. There weren't there. a lot of yeah. treats this year. Not a lot of treats no. this year at all. Uh, but end of October sometimes can be a little surprising. We normally see a little bit of an uptick in activity. And, and it's always kind of a head fake, though, going into November. Uh, and, I, you know, we had some more earnings calls come out, uh, all kind of stating the same thing. The freight market is still not great for transportation service providers. For shippers, uh, it's, it's definitely a treat yeah. <laughs> out there because they can source that capacity. But the writing's on the wall that that's going to end at some point. I think Rachel Premack's article that she just wrote uh, we'll go over that a little bit uh, here in a, in a minute, but it really does a good job of stating like macroeconomically, everything's okay, but transportation wise, it's it's not so great. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's the big thing is when we're looking at, we, we talked about this a little bit last week, mm -hmm. if you have a case for a recession or a case for recovery or a case for resilience, you're correct in all three, depending on where you're operating in and what's happening in your industry. Even if you're in manufacturing, you could be looking at all three, but depending on what subsegment within manufacturing, you're having a completely different story on a year-over-year -year basis, you know, respectively. And so when we're looking at that, yeah, it's all there. Um, when we're looking at how long it could go, what's beneath the surface of it all, it changes drastically. So we're looking at, okay, consumer's still spinning. That's great. What's powering that? Of course, the labor market. But is that really re as resilient as it seems? <laughs> when you're looking at the job openings number, okay, over 9 million, that's great. But the rate of hires don't really follow that overall trend. And so, yeah. and we don't have that many Americans to work those jobs. So there's a disconnect there. And of course, service spending definitely playing a bigger role. There's just so many different intricacies happening right now that really aren't quite adding up. And if you have an argument for all three, you're right, depending on which segment you're in. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it's an econom economist dream right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can never be wrong. You just say it all depends. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's get uh, first things uh, rolling with our freight market in two. That's if you right. want to count me in here. In three, two, one, go. All right. Every week we give you a quick transportation market update, uh, global supply chain update. This one will be more focused on that domestic freight market. I've got the CLAV, our contract load accepted volume uh, pulled up here, showing you a little bit of a bump up in, at the end of October, but it's down slightly starting uh, November. Uh, if you look at this chart seasonally, I, the reason I pulled CLAV this work versus OTVI, this is accepted volumes. This is what stuff that was moved, has moved. So that makes it a little bit more comparable from a historical perspective. So this means no rejected tenders in this index. This is all accepted and we're not that far away from 2021, if you look at the blue line at the end of September, uh, and also, I guess, the purple line, which is 2022, we're not far away from either of those lines in the month of September, which would support this idea that, economically speaking, consumer demand has been relatively strong. Inventories have corrected for the most part. And in a normal year, if you look at that orange line, that's 2019, which I don't know if is a, tr a truly normal year, we're well above that. 
even after the uh, contraction in October. So uh, economically speaking, historic from a historic perspective, we're not as bad as we could be. It just so happens that the market is oversupplied. Looking at the next chart here, this really illustrates it clearly. Uh, well, I, should, I shouldn't say clearly, but this is the OTRI versus NTI. So we've got outbound tender rejection index, still sub 4%, looks like it's moving lower. Uh, and then we have the NTI, the spot rate index and fuchsia there. Uh, it is trending lower, a little bit of an uptick at the end of the month of October, but nothing really strong. And I think this has more to do with mixing uh, than anything. No reason to think that capacity is corrected significantly. And the last chart to kind of drag this home, LOTVI, but mixed with all the other length of haul. If you, the only one moving higher is that city freight, that less than 100 mile freight in orange going up, which is exactly why I think we saw the spot race increase at the end of the month. So when we're looking at that less than 100 mm-hmm. um, moving up, what does that kind of tell to you? Because I, I know yeah, there is that <laughs> final mile, then there's that repositioning of freight, then you were talking about inventory levels. What's, what's that kind of driving home for you? Yeah, the, 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 it's interesting when I see uh, a nuance in the length of haul. Uh, if we can pull up that chart real quick and I can dive deeper here and why I think this is actually contributing to that NTI boost. Shorter length of haul stuff, higher rate per mile. (laughs) So when that mixes into the NTI value, and again, this is not necessarily, uh, the NTI has loads, excludes loads less than 250 miles, but I I think shorter haul freight is definitely a big factor in this component because you have that month end sentiment (laughs) where people are getting that upstream, that way upstream and way downstream freight moving. So you've got all the manufacturer type activity where they're getting stuff in the, the production process going between plants you know, between that parts manufacturer and the, and the you know, whatever the final product production process is. Then you have the retail side, which is all that freight that's moving from the DC into the fulfillment center or into the store. That's what that COTVI really is representative of. It's that far upstream and that far downstream activity. And we had a big push of that at the end of the month. And I think that's probably why we see a little bit of that mixing because there's no there's no other fundamental reasoning that I can see that spot rates would increase yeah. at the end of the month other than we probably had also a little bit of a sense of urgency to close out the month. And I also have to mention, I'm going to be looking down from time to time here because I'm going to be monitoring our social. So I'm looking at LinkedIn right now. We also have YouTube and all other social media sites up. And we are live right now if you're just so happen to be watching on this Thursday, Eastern time, 12.07 p.m., and so if you want to join in on the conversation, you have anything to add, I want to shout out Interstate Jay. Thanks for joining us this morning. What's up? Join in on the conversation. You have a question for myself or Zach. If you're seeing something in the market. So the question right now is, what is everyone seeing in their segment? What trends are you concerned about? What are you optimistic about, especially going into the fourth quarter or going into 2024? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that's on everybody's mind is what to expect going into 2024. It's really hard to decode, uh, you know, that forward expectation. Yeah. Uh, but I think we can glean a little bit of con, like, you know, understanding the current environment is always more important (laughs) than predicting the future environment. Because if you don't understand the current environment correctly, (laughs) how, like, you're not going to get to the future. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, uh, also, there's a lot of information in the current environment that helps you predict the future. So, how would you be? It's like not knowing that further upstream variable. (laughs) Right. How are you going to know what the end product is? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Basic math. It's, it's interesting because it's um it, it's, it's going to be one of those things, like I said, what segment are you operating in? Also, we have Nicholas Stone. What's up, guys? Thanks for thanks for joining. Um, 
So thanks for the shout out there, Nicholas. So one of the things that we have to take into account is really what to expect, as you said. So one of the things that I look for, of course, is the canary in the coal mine, Mm -hmm. looking at what is going to be a leading indicator. And so, of course, within manufacturing, I see that as a little bit of a canary in the coal mine. I love my flatbed. I was going to say the ISM ISM. came out a little disappointing. It it dipped back down. Yeah, it's still under 50. So no breaching that uh, expansion just yet. And one talk, of about, things, talk about the ISM real quick. And I mean, yeah. ISM, the industrial, uh, or I'm sorry, the uh, Institute of Supply Chain Management. Yeah, got me. <laughs> I'll, I'll cross there. Uh, and it, and of course, it is it is kind of an industrial yeah. manufacturing tool uh, or data point that we look at. And any it's like our LMI, right, uh, right. anything above 50 expansion, anything below 50 contraction. Uh, and it's been hovering. It, it kind of bounced below 50 last year. Or was it last year or is it early this year? It's been below 50 yeah. for the past 12 months. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's it got really close. So like I think it got to 49 percentage mm-hmm. points just last month. Right. And now it went back down to 46.7. And so one of the things I always talk about with, first of all, I, I don't like to try to predict or forecast the ISM PMI because at that point, you're trying to predict people's sentiment right. around a certain Feeling. industry. So don't, don't look to predict people's sentiment at all. But what you can do is look to what are some of the conditions within it? So if you're going to try to forecast the ISM PMI, look at what's happening with new orders and look at what's happening with backlog of orders as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, you got to look at inventory prices, all that other stuff as well. But those are going to be the three that I always look to first and then kind of get into some of the other subcomponents after that. The big thing that I noticed in the previous one that really kind of gave me some pause and saying, hey, this is, this is it, where we kind of are going to turn around for sure, was that the backlog of orders remained well below 50. So its most recent reading was at 42.2, and that's down from the 42.4. So it's well below that 50 threshold. Even though we start to see some momentum previously in new orders, the backlogs just aren't there. So there aren't just a a substantial number of projects for people to work through on that manufacturing side. And I think a lot of folks on the manufacturing side are just waiting. They're waiting for replenishment. They're waiting to um, put in new orders. They're waiting if they already pulled up how much do you think the, they're waiting on the Fed? I think they're give them a signal. A, a good amount because okay. I think previously in the previous cycle, we saw a pull forward on a lot of CapEx because there was that expectation that the yeah. Fed was going to introduce a lot of um, quantitative tightening and that there was going to really start to increase interest rates from the FOMC. Now that, that we've seen that pull forward, I think there's a whole bunch of wait and see how 2024 starts to unfold. Are we going to see a pause continually? And definitely, is it just going to be higher for longer? Are we going to see a complete turnaround um, in those interest rates and it's going to be a sudden drop? I don't think that's going to be the case, but that's going to be one of the things that's going to be on a lot of people's mind is if they can just hold off on some of that replenishment aspect. Yeah, guessing the Fed is is a big part of what to expect in 2024 as well, because if they do actually stop raising rates, that could change things a lot. Or they signal. I mean, really, everybody's looking, looking for signals. Right. And good luck finding one that makes sense to you. Um, so... The industrial sector really ties in well with the LTL and our first, our lead story uh, today, which is where did all the yellow freight go? <laughs> uh, I love, I love this, uh, this story here. Um, basically, Todd Maiden uh, covering this, uh, this beat here now uh, that we've kind of come through this yellow shutting down portion of the equation. But the LTL market has been very, it's been disconnected. <laughs> Maybe that should be the title of the show today, Disconnections. <laughs> uh, disconnected from the broader truckload space since the summer, really, when Yellow started having the public uh, disputes with the union, et cetera. That's when things started really 
you know, falling apart, <laughs> uh, if you will. And so Todd Maiden, of course, puts together this tonnage month over month, year over year uh, gain, these comps between all the LTL carriers, uh, if we want to show that. And it shows that tonnage is up. I mean, this is sequential changes in Q3. Uh, tonnage, you can see TFI, SIA, uh, Old Dominion, XPO, average, all showed increases in tonnage. I'm look, tonnage is not sufficient to me and by any means when you're looking at LTL because not all freight is weighs the same or has the same density. Density is a huge component of LTL. Uh, so I'm looking at shipments too. And SIA, of course, shipment count way up. Their revenue also way up uh, sequentially. This is very different <laughs> mm. than the truckload counterparts. <laughs> so they're obviously getting a little bit of an idiosyncratic uh, you know, movement <laughs> that is very unique to them. And I, I think this is also helping them keep pricing a little bit higher uh, than they would have seen. You know, we looked at our, our background data. I was, I actually wrote an article on it <laughs> nice. uh, back in June when Yellow was first starting to have trouble. LTL was starting to see pricing come down, uh, contract pricing come down, which most of the LTL market is contract, not a really a spot market for LTL. But the it stopped in June and then it just kind of leveled off and now it's actually on its way back up. <laughs> so LTL, for those of you that aren't familiar, tends to have a much more uh, disciplined pricing process mm -hmm. where we see rate increases pretty consistently. Even in down markets, it's it's more like how, you know, how little of a rate increase it is more than it is a rate reduction. And we were actually starting to see rates fall down. And now they're on their way back up again. So the LTL space looks like they've got, from a transportation provider standpoint, may have a little bit of a bridge uh, or a length of time before they really actually get into the, what the truckload space has been feeling for 18, 19 months now. Right. <laughs> and we're looking at the type of industries that are mm -hmm. being exposed or that the LTL market is exposed to. Um, I always hear also a huge shout out to Andrew Bounds. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. Um, one of the big things that we kind of have to talk to is what is really going to impact LTL markets. So I always think of consumer goods. Mm -hmm. I think of some industrial activity as well. What, a lot, what, of, a uh, lot of industrial production okay. uh, activity, a lot of upstream stuff going on here because the, you know, a lot of just in time going on upstream. Um, but, you know, it's it's an interesting, it's far less fragmented. So that's another reason why they have better pricing discipline. And now they're even less fragmented. Right. Losing the uh, the number three national carrier uh, is definitely going to have an inflationary impact to your rates in general. I think once the dust settles, though, Anthony, at some point, they're going to be exposed to the exact same downward pressure and it's going to get competitive again. I don't know that, I, I was thinking it might happen this winter. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if that's true anymore. Uh, depends on some timing issues and how that, how all the implementation, very difficult to manage an LTL network. Yeah. Especially when you get a huge, these type of increases, quarter over quarter, that, that this data tells me that they're going to have significant network disruptions because of ingest, they're, they're trying to ingest. I know that they have plenty of capacity. <laughs> Just, but it doesn't mean that it just, the transition is smooth. Right. You know what I'm saying? So let's talk about overall volumes real quick. So mm -hmm. when we're looking at this time of the year, of course, we talk about seasonality and how much you can really start to plan around seasonality after COVID. You know, everyone looks to comparisons to 2019. 
as the 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 benchmark of, hey, look, we're above 2019 or we're so below 2019, whatever the metric may be. Mm-hmm. But when looking at volumes right now and this type this time of the year, we're talking, of course, holiday season yep. is here. What are going to be the expectations for volumes? Because one of the things I'm thinking about is I've seen, um, and, and one of the things we've been talking about is, of course, multiple Amazon Prime Days this year, other retailers following suit. Then I've seen, uh, we talk about Black Friday turning into Black November because it's just deals throughout right. the entire month. I've seen those holiday deals brought up into the end of October this year. And we don't see that hesitancy from there were there some international disruptions on getting stuff into the country from those those shippers. There was that lack of urgency there. Yeah. And so when you're looking at that, what does that kind of tell you from the volumes aspect of this holiday season compared to the previous ones? Yeah, I don't know that, you know, demand to me during the holiday season is not really as important as the supply component mm. <laughs> for transportation providers, that is. Uh, but I think there is reason to be, I mean, from an economic perspective, there's reason to be optimistic mm. uh, that demand still, I mean, you saw the CLAV, it's down sequentially as it normally is from September to October, but it's not like falling off a cliff. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like even, even we saw a little bit of softness starting the month of November, that's very seasonal. Like, but we typically see this in trucking and in transportation as these fall offs. If we looked at, I wish I had the IOTI, the maritime data, it's showing resilience. Uh, it is not falling below 2019 levels or anything like that at, at this point. Right. Doesn't mean it won't, <laughs> because I think there's still a lot of, you know, the debt situation is not the best. Uh, and that's another reason that I think consumers are not necessarily like that spending is a little noisy. You know what I'm saying? That 4.9%. We talked about it last week. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of noise in that figure. Um, that nobody feels confident is going to sustain. But I think from a demand, a pure demand perspective, this holiday season looks okay. But transportation service providers will not notice it whatsoever. (laughs) They didn't notice it just now. The the next article uh, that we have is the C.H. Robinson earnings report. (laughs) Uh, C.H. Robinson, uh, we quarter as expected, so transportation, again, I showed you, demand is actually okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the trucking market itself is just, it, it's oversupplied. It's overrun right. with capacity. Total revenues were down 27.8% <laughs> from the third quarter last year. Gross profits were down almost 29%. So there's a compounding effect of this contraction <laughs> or, you know, expansion in supply, <laughs> uh, however you want to look at it, that's diluting the amount of available freight. Uh, out there. And in that, when you have less competition, you're also shrinking the amount of ability that you have to expand your margin. It's actually contracting those margins. And I'm not going to get into the contract versus spot argument just just yet, but uh, income from operations down 60%. I mean, everything down, down, down. They they cut expenses. Uh, expenses were down 13%-ish. Uh, Headcount was down 14-ish percent. Um, everything's down, <laughs> uh, basically. And so they're trying to manage their way through it with this component of, can we also be ready for when the market turns? That was a big uh, tell at the very end of this call. Uh, CFO Mike Zeckmeister uh, said, basically, they feel like they are well positioned <laughs> for when the market turns up. Of course, he's going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> like, But you have to live 
in the moment today. Like if you don't survive today, the future is irrelevant. Right. And so I think this is a very, it's a very hard ask to ask some of these CFOs and CEOs to say, hey, be ready. Yeah. But also survive. Right. <laughs> and I think this is the a similar mentality that a lot of folks are taking on. So, so many smaller operations, mid-sized operations were able to make a, a fair amount of money throughout the pandemic, sitting mm-hmm. on some of those cash flows and are just looking to, all right, all we have to do is survive until the market turns. Yeah. That's all we have to do. And so we, we get into this, you know, this, this area where we start, okay, these are the new rates, people are accepting lower rates, it's just saturated, but everyone's just looking to survive until that switch flips. Yeah, and you want to be able to have that ability to like grab that freight when it's there. Yeah. Because if you miss that early adoption, you miss. Yeah. <laughs> and so when we're looking at that holding out to just make mm-hmm. it to that that next transition of the market, it seems like you're holding on longer than other industries would. So you're drawing down funds much lower than what you would have. And mm-hmm. so instead of, you know, just a, a, a sudden shift in the market, if it's a prolonged shift up, yeah. there's going to be a lot of folks that have those bankruptcies, that have those completely shutdowns because they, they just wait until the very last minute. Is that something that you expect to see more of going into the first quarter? Oh, it's, a, it's a hard balancing act, yeah. uh, especially from freight because the margins are so tight. Right. <laughs> like you're basically trying to, Make sure that you have availability for when the market does turn, which does appear to be decently off in the future. But it's it's like when. Yeah. <laughs> Timing is everything. Time is so important. Uh, the last article that I think is is very, you know, it ties into your expertise quite a bit as well. Uh, Rachel Premack, Americans are getting, uh, I'm sorry, that's the, the one about, oh yeah, there we go. Americans are getting spendy again, but it's not ending jaw-dropping uh, trucking bloodbath. Yeah. And this just speaks to that whole, the trucking market, there's too many trucks, there's too many carriers, but she speaks to the fact that uh, Americans are still buying a lot of stuff. Is it, Do you think that that's accurate, that statement, that they're still buying as much? Or is, is there a little bit of noise here? So I think that they're still buying. I think they're buying more services on a year-over-year basis. I think that's 100% a big thing here. Um, of course, I always mention Taylor Swift, Drake, Beyonce, the the three big ones that are just yeah. pouring and just collecting their paychecks and moving, you know, GDPs. Right. But I also think that um, when looking at things like, so for example, the U.S. Census Bureau, amazing information. One of the big ones that they put out, retail sales, of course, mm-hmm. not adjusted for inflation. So I do think there is definitely some noise in that inflationary aspect there. There is a deflationary aspect to the real GDP number, but I do believe that is probably lower than the actual real risk, um, rate of inflation right now. So mm-hmm. I think there's even some noise in the adjusted inflation for the GDP potentially there. Right. So I do think that consumers are continuing to spend. I think they're continuing to use that credit card. As you always mention, using of that credit card is more expensive because of these elevated interest rates. And so that debt costs more. So when we're looking at the, the consumer, they are active, unfortunately. It's not what I want to see right. because I, w- I would love to see the consumer to spend just enough to, of course, not lead into a complete crash in the market and, and the macro economy, but definitely not to put them into a position of financial overextension. Do you think that this inflation has made it too difficult to actually evaluate some of our traditional economic figures that are based on dollars? Like, I, oh, I think yeah. that that... that that concerns me more than anything with that 4.9%. I feel like there's 
you, if you apply too much generalized inflationary value to the GDP figure, that's still not enough, right? Oh, 100%. And so that's when I started like looking at some of the other ways to analyze the data. So I start looking at, of course, the year-over-year trends. Of course, it has some inflationary aspects to it. But I start looking at rate of growth, 12-month moving average, things like that. Yeah. And so that's when I can start looking at the overall trend. Even we're looking at upstream aspects like durable good orders right. um, measured in millions of dollars when you're looking at cap X spend and things like that. That's going to have an inflationary impact to it as well. And so those are some of the different aspects to really kind of take into account when you're looking at those numbers. It, at best, try to put it into a year-over-year or maybe a three-month moving average quarter-over-quarter um, look at those trends and then compare those year-over-year trends compared to maybe the rate of uh, inflation comparatively within your segment. Yeah, I have. I I don't trust money uh, right now <laughs> for sure. Uh, and of course, she speaks to the the idea of capacity as exiting the market at a record pace right now. Uh, I think she estimated about thirty five thousand carriers over the last twelve month cycle. Uh, have exited the space, but nobody can tell. <laughs> uh, and that's because there was 100,000 of them that grew. <laughs> Substantial. I'm a big fan of Rachel Premack yeah. and all of her. She puts out so many, like, she makes yeah. an actual story. I wish I had a writing challenge. Though. I know, I know. And uh, yeah, she does a great job. Uh, came from Business Insider, and we appreciate that. But yeah, it's going to take a while. Yeah. We're still in it. We'll see you all at F3. <laughs> yeah. Get your tickets. Like that, Fearless.com. Drink more water.